Good morning, Genesis. It's so good to be with you today. Thanks for coming out to worship with us this morning. Uh, how many of you ever feel like uh, you're running on fumes, living life at 2%? Anybody uh, willing to raise your hand and acknowledge that? I mean, we, we do busyness really, really well in Hamilton County, in the north side of Indy. I mean, it, it's really a part of our culture that, I mean, just think about it, how often, every week, we just, we go and we go and we go all week long. We are, we're overcommitted, uh, we're overextended people. We, uh, you, you do it, you run all day long. What happens? You crash into the pillow at night, we wake up and we do it all over again. I think we have mastered busyness, all right? We have done so well at trying to pack so many things into any given day, any given week, and so again, we just, we have this ability and really I think this desire and whether we realize it or not, we push and we push. Our, our busyness uh, is like a drain and it depletes what little we feel like we have to give at times. And some of you might recognize that. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I know it, I know it that to be true, and others of you, you know, maybe it's, it's something to be learned still, but we're busy, busy people. But what if I told you this? What if I told you that there were a better way? Uh, what, what if I told you that I, I think there is a better uh, rhythm of sorts, uh, a better weekly rhythm, really a, a better way to live our lives uh, here on the earth? And here's what's really cool about this. It's from God. Uh, that God has a plan for you, that he has a plan for us in the way that we structure our days and our weeks, uh, and it's a plan that was created uh, by him and created for us, and I think it can make all of the difference. Uh, a few weeks back, uh, Steve kicked off this series talking about priorities, right? You remember that message on priorities? If you missed it, you might check it out online, uh, but talked just about how, how do you take the most important things and schedule them uh, into any given uh, week. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about why taking a weekly Sabbath day of rest uh, should be a priority in your life. Now, if you're unfamiliar to a term like Sabbath or even that concept, uh, what is it? Uh, and I just got a, a simple definition here for you on the screen if you're taking notes. Uh, Sabbath rest is a way of ordering your life. Uh, it's, a, it's a pattern, really, of working six days a week, all right, and then resting on the seventh. And so you could say it's a chance to break from the routine. Uh, it's a chance to step away from the ordinary, and really it's an opportunity to experience what I'll call a divine recharge in your life so that we might better understand who we are, that we might better understand who He is, all right, and how He wants us to live our lives and to live them faithfully here on this earth. So if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and turn to the Old Testament, uh, to Exodus chapter 20, uh, starting in verse 8. If you want to use one of the Bibles around the room on the floor, you can go to page 52, but Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8, let me give you a little background what's happening here as we arrive at Exodus chapter 20. Uh, God brought his people uh, out of slavery in Egypt and led them to a place in the wilderness called Mount Sinai, all right? And Sinai is the place where some like to say that God married his people, where God entered into a covenant relationship with them. It was God's way of saying, I will be your God and you will be my people people. And so if Sinai is where the wedding happened, well, then God's Torah or law is like his wedding gift to his bride, to his people. You see, God was ready to instruct his people how to live life well.
well and how to live life faithfully on the earth. And so he gave them Torah or he gave them law as a part or as a way of providing that instruction. Now, the first five books of your Old Testament are also referred to as the Pentateuch, all right? The word penta meaning five, Pentateuch meaning five books. It's uh, also known as the Torah. It's also known as the law. And so it's made up of 613, to be exact, different laws. And within Torah or within law or the Pentateuch, you will also find what we know more commonly as the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments, it's fair to say, provide a good summary of all that's included in God's Torah. Now, here's something that's really interesting about the Ten Commandments. And maybe you've heard this before. Maybe this will be new for some of you. The first three commandments have everything to do with our relationship with God. The last six commandments have everything to do with our relationship with others, the way that we live our lives and interact with people here on this earth. The fourth commandment is unique. All right, the fourth commandment sits curiously in the middle of these two categories, and let's look at it together. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, the fourth commandment starts like this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, the emphasis here is on the word remember. All right, the commandment opens with remember. It's God's way of saying there's something special. Uh, There is something unique and life-giving and essential for us to be discovered in the Sabbath. See, the fact is that we tend to look at Sabbath, all right, in 2018 or Sabbath rest and think of it as something of the the past, that uh, it was something for the Old Testament or it's impossible or even optional, really, uh, if you, you, the way you want to look at it. But the truth is that God has something special for each of us when it comes to the Sabbath. In fact, if you're taking notes today, write this down at the very top there. Sabbath is a gift. Sabbath rest is a gift from God. It's the opportunity to take one day a week as a day of rest. Again, it's a gift from God, and it's a way of living that can make all of the difference and how we function in the world. Now, how do we better understand it? How do we better understand God's intent with Sabbath, specifically in the Old Testament? Well, my friend Brad Gray uh, reminded me of a helpful Bible study method known as the Bible, or as, as excuse me, the principle of first use. All right, it's called the principle of first use. Basically, then, when you come across a word like Sabbath in the Old Testament or in the Bible, it's helpful to ask, where was this word first used in Scripture? Because by going to the place of first use, well, it's the first use that pretends to provide deeper meaning or maybe even the most richest uh, content, all right? Well, does anyone know where the word Sabbath is used for the very first time in Scripture? All right, maybe you've got a guess. I think I heard Genesis. It's exactly what I thought, all right, when the same question was posed to me, all right? But actually, the first use of the word Sabbath is found just a few pages away in Exodus chapter 16, all right? And we'll talk about the Genesis account in just a second, but turn to Exodus 16 for a moment if you would, and let me just give you some context here. Before arriving at Sinai, all right, the people of God were hungry and searching for food in the wilderness, and Exodus 16 
16 shows us how God is going to provide for them. And we're going to pick it up in verse 21 here in just a moment, but let me give you a little bit of background first just to catch you up. God promised that he would provide quail for his people in the evening, that he'd provide meat. Uh, He provided a substance, a bread-like substance called manna each day for them in the morning to gather. Again, it was something to eat. They were in the wilderness. There was nothing to eat from, and so God provided. And Moses provided all of these instructions to the people to gather only as much as they needed each day. They were to gather no more or no less, but there were some struggles in this. Everyone wasn't following the rules, and so some people gathered too much and saved it for the next day only to find that it spoiled. And so the people eventually learned their lesson. Well, let's pick it up in verse 21. I want you to catch some of the details around God's instructions through Moses. It goes like this, verse 21. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left and keep it until morning. Verse 24, so they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. And so there it is. This is the first use of the word Sabbath in Scripture, or also what's known as the Hebrew word Shabbat, all right? The Hebrew word Shabbat meaning Sabbath, and it comes from a verb that simply means to cease or to break from the work, all right? The word Sabbath means to, if you're taking notes, to break from your work, and so God's people came to understand Sabbath as a gift, all right? Secondly, that it's a break from the work, And the third thing is this, if you're taking notes, it's also an issue of trust, too. Sabbath rest is an issue of trust. I mean, can you see if if you were an Israelite living in the desert, how your faith would repeatedly be put to the test, all right? But God's using all of this to build up their faith. He's doing all of this to establish the relationship, all right? He wants their trust. He wants to be their provider. Now, how about for us? If we step away from a moment and just think about for us, like, can you see how practicing Sabbath rest every week in your life requires the same level of trust, all right? Because look at it like this. If I'm going to consider taking one day a week where I break from all of the work, well, then that means that I have to trust God that he's going to provide for all of my needs, all right? That he's going to provide for all of these needs. That if I'm going to break from the work, trusting God means that all of the work around the house will get done in the other six days. It, it, it's trusting God if you were to choose that one day a week away from Facebook or Instagram won't lead to your social demise, all right? That you know, life won't fall apart because you take one day a week. It's trusting God that one day a week away from homework isn't going to ruin you because you take a break from the work. See, Sabbath is learning to trust. I'm, I'm forced to ask the question, will I trust God? I dare you, if you try this, all right, if you've tried this before, you'll find and discover how we find so much value and meaning in our busyness. We find our worth and our work in our busyness, but Sabbath rest is about breaking from the work. It's choosing to trust God that what I've gathered today will be enough to provide for tomorrow, and so I'm learning to trust God with every part of my life. Back to Exodus 20 for a moment. A couple of things that 
make the fourth commandment unique. If you were just even to visually look at all the commandments there on the pages of your Bible, the fourth commandment is the longest of the commandments. It provides the most description. It's the only commandment that uses an illustration, uh, providing an event and a story. Let's look at that together, Exodus 20 again, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what's that illustration? What's that event that's referred to? It's the Genesis account. And surprisingly, the word Sabbath is not used in the Genesis account. But if you look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you'll see how God created the earth and how there's an order to it and how there's a flow and really a rhythm and a cadence, even how it's written. That six days function the same in Genesis chapter 1. There's evening and there's morning. And you can, again, identify this cadence even as you read through the text. That is until you get to the seventh day. And some scholars have noted that there's actually something fundamentally different about the description, about the writing of the seventh day, because for God, he worked and created for six days, but on the seventh day, he finished his work and he rested. And why did God take a break? Like, did God really get to the end of creation and say to himself, man, I really need a day just to unwind. You know, I need a day just to myself, just to step back from it all. That's not it. God doesn't need rest, but with his rest, God provided us an example to follow. And so the fourth commandment is tied to what God did. And he finished his work, and he created Sabbath, and he rested, and he called it a holy day. And what the creator of the universe demonstrated for us, he's provided an opportunity for us to do the very same thing, to live the very same way. He demonstrates for us that there should be a rhythm to our existence, our work, our rest, our production, and gratitude. It's God's way of saying that your life is so much more than what you can cram into it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You are worth so much more. Your worth is not in your work, but it's hard, right? I mean, it's hard. Like just even as you think about your own schedule today. All right, or the, your own schedule that starts tomorrow or what this next week holds for you. I mean, look at it like this. Our culture does not permit us to live this way. All right, our, our culture, our school system, our sports, our calendar does not permit us to live this way. And so you know this too. Like if you're, if you're trying to get through school right now, if you're trying to get through grad school, if you're keeping down a job at the very same time, you know the demands, right? Or if you're working two jobs, all right, just to try to make ends meet for your family. You know what little time you have. If you're a single parent right now, like you know the demands that it takes every minute of every day. If you've got kids and they're involved in activities, well, you know that's going to keep you moving. But here's the thing. Somehow and in some way, we have to learn and understand this very important lesson, that we're not machines. We are not machines, that God didn't create you and me to run on fumes, but yet we go and we go and we don't slow down and we don't say no to anything and we've made life so complicated and we've made life so hectic and do we have any idea what we're doing to our kids? 
Like we think it's the busyness that's going to provide them the most value in life. But I don't even think we know yet what we're doing to our kids and to the future generations by our busyness. Or do we even see what's happening in our marriages and relationships right now? Because we just go and we go and we don't pay attention to the things that maybe we really ought to be paying attention to. Or how about this? Have you ever considered the impact that running all the time and not slowing down has on your soul or your faith and what you have to give? There was a fantastic book that was given to me by a friend, a book called uh, The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. I read this last summer when I was on sabbatical, and I will always have this book and set aside time to read through it regularly. Um, I've included it on your notes this morning. There are actually four books there that I have found to be so helpful and profound when it comes to Sabbath and rest. You might check any of these out, or if you're going to check out one, grab Mark Buchanan's The Rest of God. But listen to what he says. He provides a great illustration about this busyness. He says, he says, he writes, there's an exercise that some pilots go through late in their flight training. The student pilot gets the plane airborne at cruising altitude. Then the instructor places a loose-fitting, thick-woven sack over the student's head so the student can see nothing. The instructor takes the controls and starts stunt piloting. He loops the loop. He pushes the plane, Turkish headache style, skyward, and then flips belly up and swoops earthward. He rollicks and spirals, careens and nosedives, tails and tailspins and wing tilts. Kind of sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, if you, don't you think? But uh, he says he gets the student utterly discompobulated, and then he puts the plane in a suicide dive, plucks the bag off the student's head, and hands him the controls. His job, to get the plane back under control. Buchanan writes this, the exercise is called recovering from an unusual attitude. And then he says, to keep Sabbath, most of us first have to recover from an unusual attitude. We find ourselves disoriented in vertigo. We're dizzy and all our, with all our busyness and we're on a collision course that never seems to stop. And we don't have to. We don't have to live like that. And the beautiful truth of God is that Sabbath provides us a better way. Write this down. Sabbath rest means a better weekly rhythm. There's a better weekly rhythm that God offers for us where one of six days of work, six days to look at your life and consider how do we get it all done in six days because we take one of them and we rest. And my challenge for you this morning, and even as you look at the rest of your year, is to consider how you might arrange your week around such a rhythm. And don't you dare overlook the recharge potential that may come through it. See, I know it doesn't surprise you. We're only looking at a couple of places today, but God has a lot to say about the Sabbath and how we experience it. And it's not a coincidence either that Jesus is going to come along in the New Testament and have a lot to say about how the Sabbath should be lived and experienced too. And his life, all right, and his teaching always provide for us the best example for how we should live and how Sabbath should be observed. It was Jesus who said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. See, here was a thing. There were these religious leaders who were trying to attach all of these rules and regulations and instructions to Sabbath so much that it became a burden for people, all right, just to try and keep it up. Well, Sabbath was never intended to be a burden, all right? It was always intended to be a gift from God. Again, it's an opportunity to break from the work and routine. And know this, it doesn't have to be the same day either, 
All right, it doesn't have to be a Sunday, all right, because the Apostle Paul in Romans 14 reminds us that no one day is more sacred or holier than another. But let's consider this for just a moment. What does Sabbath look like practically, all right? Like in 2018, what should, should a Sabbath rest involve, even as you consider your own week or what a Sabbath rest might look like for you? Again, there's the books that I provided on your notes list. You can check out any of these. So I won't say a ton about this, but let me just give you these three things that you can add to your notes and some blank lines that are provided there. I, I think any good Sabbath rest ought to involve these three things. The first one is this. It's a day to rest. It's a day to rest. See, there's a time to hurry, all right? There's a time when moving fast and moving hard is a really good thing, but too many of us move so fast so often and we never really slow down. Look at it like this. If you run the RPMs on your car so high for so long, you will blow up the engine on your vehicle, all right? And our bodies are kind of like that too because we were created to rest, all right? We aren't machines. You, you must be rested in order to live well. Now, I'm not going to try and tell you exactly what your Sabbath day ought to look like because it might look different than mine, but I will say this. It should involve rest. And so what does rest look like for you? Because rest means something different for everyone. Uh, rest looks differently for a student. Uh, rest looks different to uh, somebody who's single or someone who's married or maybe you've got young kids or older kids or, or maybe you're retired. Rest might look different for all of us. And so you've got to figure out what rest looks like for you, but I'll tell you what it means every time. Your day of rest should mean taking a break from whatever is work for you. All right, and so whether it's work around the house or work from the office or work from the, the business that you're starting that never seems to end or whether it's schoolwork, we need to figure out ways of resting from whatever work is for us so that we can be refreshed, we can be renewed, and we can experience God's recharge for our lives. Here's the second thing that I would encourage you to consider when it comes to your Sabbath day of rest. It's a day to play. All right? And this is where it gets real exciting, all right? It's a day to play. And here's the thing. If you grew up in a conservative or a legalistic home or church, you might hear Sabbath and you might think to yourself, restrictions, no fun, right? All right? That's the case for some people. I had to kind of unpack this a little bit or even get away from this in my own life. That's not the intent of Sabbath at all, all right? At least in my house, all right? I believe that Sabbath is a day to play, all right? It's a day to know the joy of being alive on planet earth. And so you got to figure out what play looks like for you. What is it that breathes life into you? For some people, it's a hobby. Uh, for some people, it's crafts. Uh, for some people, maybe it's games that you enjoy playing. For others, it's exercise, all right? Or it's sports or competition. Maybe play for you is a ride in your favorite car on a beautiful day or a ride out on your bike on a warm spring day. Maybe it's movies, all right? Maybe you really enjoy movies or video games. Maybe it's working in your shop or out in the garden. Maybe it's cooking or eating really good food. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton's books is, uh, book is one that I've recommended to you, but here's something that she says in her book about Sabbath. She says, Sabbath means a nap, a walk, a bike ride, wearing your favorite jog pants, uh, a long bubble bath, fellas, right? Uh, eating your favorite foods, and she points out no dieting on the Sabbath. Uh, she says, sitting in the sun, playing a pickup game of football with your kids and neighbors, lighting candles, listening to beautiful music. She points out husbands and wives love making on the Sabbath. 
Sabbath. In fact, Lauren Winner says this about Sabbath. She points out that in Jewish tradition, married couples get rabbinical brownie points for having sex on the Sabbath, right? Dilly dilly, right? Dilly dilly to that, but... Here's, here's how we're trying to experience Sabbath uh, as a family in our house. We make every effort to take one day a week to rest, to break from the work. And because Sunday is a work day for me, uh, it's typically Fridays for us, but sometimes Fridays doesn't happen and so it has to be a Saturday. And I'll just say that some weeks it's really hard to pull off. Uh, some weeks we look at every day and we wonder to ourselves, how in the world does it happen this week? And so sometimes Sabbath is maybe only part of a day uh, in a really busy week. And so, but we're making every effort. We're just, we're making every effort to break from the work. Or I like this as Jenny likes to say, Sabbath rest for you ought to mean a day of not have to's, but a day of get to's. All right, what are the things you get to do on the Sabbath. It's not have to's, but get to's. And so what do we get to do? We get to rest. We get to slow down. We get to spend together time together as a family. And because Jenny does most of the cooking in our home, she doesn't cook unless she feels like it, which means we usually go hungry on the Sabbath day in our house. That's not true. Uh, we eat out or I'll cook or we'll cook something together. Again, if we feel like it, um, I don't mow the yard on the Sabbath unless I want to mow the yard on the Sabbath. And sometimes I want to mow the yard uh, on my Sabbath day. And we get outside if we can be outside and we make it a point to spend time alone with God. We're trying to involve our kids as much as we can, all right? Letting them enjoy the Sabbath too, letting them enjoy maybe some extra time with those things that they really enjoy. We're trying to figure out how it all works. It's hard, all right? But we're working hard at it. And what counts? What makes for a restful day? Those are the questions that we're asking. And it's frustrating when it doesn't go as we hoped but I like what Mark Buchanan says. He says, Sabbath rest is more of an art than a science. So don't complicate it, right? Don't overthink it. It's more of an art. How do you rest? How do you play? I like what Abraham Heschel says too. He says this, six days a week we wrestle with the world, bringing profit from the earth. On the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in the soul. The world has our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. The last thing that I think ought to go into every Sabbath is that it should be a day to think, too. A day to think. Now, not think as in work. In fact, reflecting or remembering might be better words here, but the idea is that our Sabbath should include time to think and to reflect. Uh, it's a time for you to consider how things are going, maybe, in those most important relationships in your life. Uh, way back to week one of this series, again, Steve talked about right priorities. And so Sabbath can be a great time to evaluate your priorities and how you're doing in those uh, Sabbath is also, don't miss this, Sabbath is also a time to remember your relationship with God, the creator of the universe, and to spend time with him, reading your Bible and in prayer, and, because he loves to spend time with you. Our God loves to spend time with you, and he, he enjoys watching you and me enjoy life. And if he created Sabbath for us, isn't it only right that we spend at least some of that time on that day and each week with him? See, he created Sabbath. Again, it's an opportunity to break from the work, okay? It's a great day to play and to rest and to think about those things that are most important. Um, the last thing, and you're filling the blanks this morning too, that last one there is that Sabbath rest is a reminder of our identity, all right? It's a reminder of our identity. 
And so I went to Israel last spring uh, at the beginning of my uh, sabbatical, and I got to spend two weeks there. And if you've heard me talk about my trip at all, uh, our trip was really one of adventure. Uh, we did a lot of hiking and, you know, out and about each day. And we never knew where we were going on any given day, and that was intentional. We were just left to follow the teacher. And so we would get on the bus each morning, and we'd end up somewhere, and just this incredible day would, would roll out. Well, this one particular morning, we woke up in central Israel. Israel, and we got on the bus and started heading south, all right? And I love geography, so I always kind of was just paying attention to where we were in the country. And we just kept driving south, and I mean for three hours we drove into southern Israel. I snapped this picture as we were driving south of the desert and this vast dry desert that just started unfolding before us on this particular tour. Well, we ended up in the very southern part of Israel at a place called Timna Valley. And Timna Valley as you can see from the map here, is where Egypt and Jordan, Israel, and Saudi Arabia all come together. We were just a, a few miles north of where the Red Sea is today, and uh, we visited this national park at Timna, and it was hot. Like, it was 115 degrees that day uh, in the shade, and the only shade there was what's under the, that goofy-looking hat uh, that I was wearing there at Timna. But we spent a couple of hours outside hiking through this park, and there were a whole bunch of different experiences that we had, and I'll tell you about some of those uh, at another time. But the one experience we had is we arrived at this archaeological site. Uh, it's an ancient Egyptian slave camp. All right, and we spent some time there as our, our teacher taught about this. Timna Valley is rich in uh, copper, all right? And so it, it is full of these ancient copper mines that have been mined since the 5th millennium B.C., Okay, and the Egyptians brought slaves here to mine, and mining co copper was hard, demanding work. In fact, they believe the average survival time was six months. And so if you were brought to Timna as a slave, you weren't likely to last more than six months. And so you went to Timna to die, all right? Your, your life had no value. Uh, your value was in your work, and when you quit working, you were killed or you died. Now, I don't think there's any evidence that the Israelites or any portion of the Israelites were brought here as slaves. But our guide took us there to provide for us, again, an example what life might have been like as a slave in Egypt. And here's the thing. Remember, before God brought his people out of Egypt to Sinai, they endured a horrific period of slavery in Egypt. Check out Exodus chapter 5, verses 10 to 18 in your own study this week, all right? And you'll discover how their work was intense. They had no hope in future. They were treated as machines. Their life and their worth was in their work. They were slaves to Egypt. That was their identity, period. But then God raised up a rescuer in Moses. And after some time, God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, and he brought them to Sinai, and he gave them the fourth commandment. And here is something that is so fascinating, so interesting to me. History shows that ancient Egypt operated not on a seven-day-a-week calendar, but on a ten-day-a-week calendar. And what does that mean if you're a slave in Egypt? More time to work, more time to push the busyness. And isn't it interesting that God brings them to Sinai and reestablishes the weekly schedule he created, one where you work six days a week, but on the seventh you will rest. 
And not only did God give them the Sabbath as a day of rest, but he's also going to use this time and this commandment to provide for them a better understanding of their true identity, not as slaves to Egypt, not machines, but children of God. I can imagine God saying to them this, you belong to me and me to you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to care for you, and I'm going to provide for you, and I want to spend each day, I want to walk with you every day of your life here on this planet. The band's coming out, and they're going to close with a song that you're going to just have the opportunity to sit and listen and reflect a little bit, maybe on your own life, your own schedule, or even what taking a step of faith might look like in establishing Sabbath rest for you. But will you consider this as well? that God has provided a rescuer for you and me in Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to set us free. And surrendering your life to him means you can't be a slave to anyone or anyone else, but to God and God alone. See, our busyness threatens to ruin us. But Sabbath, on the other hand, is great at reminding us our true identity, our identity as children of God. And if you're struggling today, whatever that may be, maybe trying to live life at 2% right now. I just want you to know this morning that it's in God that we find life. And it's in God that we find the recharge that we need. And for some of you, for some of us, that might mean humbling yourself though. Asking if his way is indeed better and turning to him so that you might trust him. But I wanna challenge you to make every effort to establish a day of rest in your life. And I know it'll be hard and it'll have its challenges, but it's worth it and it's a gift from God. And maybe more importantly, though, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I just want you to know today that he loves you. He cares for you. And he is everything that you need. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of your son. Father, we thank you for the gift of rest and how you've modeled that in Jesus, how you've provided that for us. And I just pray that even right now we might consider how we might better trust you and live our lives according to your instruction here in this world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.